Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello and welcome, everyone. Good morning, good morning. If you're listening live, thanks for coming. I'm super, super excited to do this show today. It's one of my very favorite topics to talk about. Um, We're actually going to talk today about the languages of appreciation in the workplace. So have you ever felt unappreciated at work? Or maybe your employees do. Is staff morale low? Are people burned out? Maybe you feel like your boss doesn't get you or you're the boss and you do what you can to help everyone feel wanted, but it doesn't seem to be getting through. If any of that resonates with you, this show is going to help. So we've all heard of the five love languages, but did you know that there's a similar book for your work life? It's called The Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And so during this show, we're going to delve into the book, along with the theory of marginality and mattering. We're going to learn how to appreciate your staff, your colleagues, uh, your supervisors using their appreciation language so that when you speak your appreciation to them, you're doing it in their language. Again, I'm super, super excited. This is um, such a neat and interesting topic. So I want to make sure to remind you that you can call in um, and talk with me on the show at 646-716-9397. Again, 646-716-9397. Press 1 to get in the queue. Then I'll know that you would like to chat or ask a question. I would love that. And let's just jump right in. Uh, My name is Nikki Tobias. I'm a life career and executive coach uh, and also the founder of Grounded Vision Coaching. I work with people who want to play bigger in their lives, both personally and professionally. My background is in teaching, counseling, administration, and nonprofit management. I help clients clarify their vision, overcome their challenges, things that have been holding them back, in order for them to live the lives they've only imagined. I do an awful lot of speaking and teaching and training, uh, workshop facilitating, and I'm a certified and career, I'm sorry, I'm certified life and career coach and a licensed facilitator of the Desire Map process, um, Desire Map with Danielle Laporte, if you've ever heard of it. So you can find me on Facebook at Grounded Vision Coaching or via the web at groundedvisioncoaching.com. And I would love it if you would email me at Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at groundedvisioncoaching.com. Perhaps most importantly, though, is that I want to do a whole lot more of connecting with folks that are listening to the show and other folks that want to play bigger in their lives. And so I would invite you to go to the show description for the link or go to calendly.com forward slash Nicole dash R dash Tobias forward slash 60, the number six zero M I N and sign up for a 60 minute free, no strings attached uh, discovery coaching session. Again, calendly dot com forward slash Nicole dash R dash Tobias 
forward slash six zero min. So hopefully we can connect there. I would love that. So I want to jump in first of all with this theory of marginality and mattering. We talk about it a lot in higher education, but it has much farther overarching reach. Um, and it was created by someone named Nancy Schlossberg back in 1989, and it discusses uh, how people feel like they're either on the margins or they matter. And it's easy to think about a piece of notebook paper, right, than margins on a piece of notebook paper. And when you feel like you're on the margins, you feel like you don't fit in. You have a lack of confidence. You feel less than. Uh, folks on the margins tend to feel greater levels of stress and burnout versus if you feel like you matter, that you matter to someone, that someone would notice if your mood or your attitude would has changed. Someone would notice if you didn't come to work today. Someone would notice if your productivity was different for some reason. Folks who feel like they matter perceive that they get attention, they feel important where they are, and they feel like a part of the team. And so everyone wants to feel like they matter. Everyone wants to feel like they matter, from employees to employers, volunteers to supervisors, folks in your family, your friends. Everyone wants to feel like they matter. So I pose this question to you. Why does it matter that you or your staff or your family or your friends believe that you or they matter? Well, in a work situation, there's much greater ownership of the person's behavior. There's a higher participation rate for the folks that feel like they matter in their work, in their lives, in their families. They're typically more effective teams when members of the team feel like they matter. Folks that feel like they matter can lean on and provide for other team members. They provide greater self-accountability. They hold themselves to a higher standard, and they help one another reach those higher standards and expectations, too. They're there to support one another. People feel valued and appreciated, which means that they work harder. There's less burnout and lower turnover rates when our employees and our supervisors feel like they matter. So most of us have heard about the five love languages. Gary Chapman wrote that book a long time ago. There have been lots of um, other books that are related. There's some for teenagers, some for kids. I actually just saw there's the five languages of an apology has come out. But the book that I want to focus on today and the, the theory, the idea that I want to focus on today is the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. Gary Chapman was one of the authors, along with Paul White, and The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace was published in 2011. So it's not a brand new book, but I don't know that it's an idea that's really caught on, and I just, I love it, and I've used it with my staff, and so I wanted to be able to share it with you. If you want to learn more, The Five Love Languages has a website at fivelovelanguages.com, the number five, lovelanguages.com. And the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, you can find more information about that at appreciationatwork.com, appreciationatwork.com. So in both books, 
um, there's a, a bit of an assessment. And so in the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, the assessment is called Motivating by Appreciation, MBA Inventory. You can take it online at theappreciationatwork.com for $10. So it's really pretty affordable for you or potentially even your team. And you get a pair, a bunch of pairs of statements. Um, there's a series of paired statements, and you pick the one that best connects with you. So as an example, one might be, I appreciate it when someone gives me their undivided attention, or I appreciate it when others assist me with jobs or projects. And so you or the person taking the assessment would go through and choose which of those paired statements best fits for them. And at the end, the score is tallied so that you get a score for each of the languages of appreciation. Now, it's possible that there can be one outlier, that you have one strong language of appreciation, or it's possible that you have a couple languages of appreciation that are pretty close in score and um, near the top of your list. And so let's really take some time to go through each of these languages of appreciation. The first being words of affirmation. This happens to be my language of appreciation, and I think even my love language. And I should note here, it's possible that your love languages and your languages of appreciation can be different. They can also be the same. But don't assume if you know your love language that that's automatically your sort of work appreciation language because it's possible that how you show up at work and how you show up at home or how you want to be loved at home versus appreciated at work could be different. So I want to make sure to, to put that caveat out there. But words of affirmation are similar to how it sounds, verbally affirming a positive characteristic about someone. In order, though, for those words of affirmation to land with that person, they need to be personal, they need to be specific, and often in the moment or shortly after the situation happens. They can happen privately or in front of others, um, even a public affirmation, say, at a, a corporate meeting or event. And they absolutely can be written. Uh, written is actually my favorite version because it's something that I have to go back to and I, I don't forget what that person said or what they were sharing with me. Some examples then of words of affirmation are emails or texts of acknowledgement, telling others how that person is doing, that that person is doing a good job when they're not present. So maybe telling other people in their department what a great job they're doing when they're not there. Cards, those are my favorite. A specific compliment, even a framed note. And I want to give you some examples here of things I've done um, when I was working in higher ed. And so you can maybe tweak it to fit with your organization or your situation. I had a group of somewhere between 80 and 85 resident assistants. So they were typically 19, 20, 21 year olds. And I would have them for about two weeks prior to the fall semester and a week or so prior to the spring semester for training. And one of the things we would do during training is I would give everybody, make available to everybody, a bunch of pads of post-it notes. And I encouraged people, I, I introduced the theory of marginality and mattering. We talked a lot about 
why it mattered that their individual staffs, everybody felt like they mattered within a staff, why their residents needed to feel like they mattered, how that would play out across the university. And so we made a warm, fuzzy wall. And so on the one wall <clears throat> in the very large room where we did training, there would be a bunch of Post-it notes and pens around. And the folks that were in the training got to write to one another. They could write to the professional staff, to the other resident assistants, to their supervisors as head residents. And they would write the person's name on the not sticky side of the Post-it note, and then whatever the note was to them on the sticky side and stick it up on the wall so that nobody else could read that note. But at the end of our training, everybody would go up and pull all the Post-it notes that had their names on them and get to read through those appreciations at the end of the, the training period and, and as a kickoff to the fall semester. And what's really neat is it grows and grows. So day one, there's a few Post-it notes, day two, day three, and it just grows and grows and grows. And it's, it's a, a very visually appealing, um, warm, fuzzy wall. You know, everybody comes into the room and they see it growing and growing and they're reminded to appreciate one another and they're reminded that they are appreciated and they see their name on the wall and um, it's so much fun. And then at the end, like I said, when everybody grabs their own and gets to read them, um, people are truly moved by what other people have noticed and acknowledged and appreciated about them. And they just really love getting that feedback um, and, and knowing that people notice them and, and appreciate them and acknowledge them and, and value what they bring to their staff and to the staff as a whole. Also, one year um, during that same training, I introduced what I called You Matter cards. So I made business cards with, you know, a smiley face emoji on them, and I put You Matter. And, again, along with marginality and mattering, I said, I'm going to put these in the Residence Life Office, and you can write them to whoever you want across campus, other resident assistants, your head resident, the professional staff, faculty, whoever, and, um, you know, share it, share it, take 10 seconds. And that was the advantage of a little business card. Somebody didn't have to write a big long note. They could write something simple, um, something pretty easy. And uh, in the first week, something like 500 note cards went out across a campus of about 2,000 students. And I actually heard from the president of the university, I got a letter from him that he had gotten some of them and the vice presidents had gotten some of them and it had become a discussion among um, the top administrative team and they wondered where it came from and they found out it, it started in residence life and with me and um, he was really appreciative that we were able to do something like that and, and how far reaching it went. And so in one week, in five days, 500 note cards, these little business cards out across campus, how big is that? And how much does it prove that people want to be appreciated and, and want to appreciate? They want to be vulnerable. They want to be intimate. You may have heard my, my show on the seven levels of intimacy. I truly believe that we as human beings in the world want to connect with one another. We want to reach out. We want to share our experiences in our lives. We want to be vulnerable and intimate. We're just often trained not to or had an experience where that wasn't honored, and, and so we close ourselves off. And so I was really um, proud both of the You Matter campaign and of our warm, fuzzy wall. And I encourage you to think about finding ways 
to do that within your staff, your group, your organization, your volunteers, your church, uh, however that would best fit. So that's the first language of appreciation, words of affirmation. The second is quality time. So staffs and groups that hang out together, they celebrate together. It means giving someone your undivided attention, making eye contact, no distractions, not interrupting, not checking your phone, not looking around if you're at a coffee shop together to see who else is coming and going. Quality time can also be shared experiences, potentially business travel, working an event together, um, even going to lunch together. I used to offer to my staff when I was running a nonprofit to take walks for our one-on-ones, to be able to get out of the building, to just enjoy nature and to be alone, nobody's listening, and we can just walk, be out in the beautiful weather and the sunshine, get a break from the work that we're doing, and be able to have our, our regular professional in-office one-on-one outside, on a bench, taking a walk on a sidewalk. And they, they loved that. Many of them took me up on that. Doing off-site retreats, maybe having a dinner where all the staff get to bring their partners and everybody gets to know one another that way. Phone calls instead of only ever emails and text messages. Celebrating birthdays in the office, maybe work anniversaries. Quarterly or holiday celebrations for, you know, achievement and who knows, the 4th of July or Christmas or Hanukkah. Um, even attending a team sporting event. You know, and I've known lots of staffs to go to things like minor league baseball games together. Um, it can be a really, really affordable way for people to get to know each other outside of work and for the staff members, the organization, to spend that quality time together. For nonprofits and, and other volunteer groups, um, a lot of the minor league baseball teams even offer fundraisers for exactly that. So a team or staff can go together and they can then sell tickets and, and make some money off of those events. So that's a pretty neat opportunity as well. The third uh, language of appreciation in the workplace is acts of service. That means pitching in to help with a project, offering to help somebody with something they're struggling with, serving them voluntarily. That's a big part of acts of service. You have to want to help, not be just told to help. You need to help that person in their way, help them how they need to have it done, and certainly, most certainly, finish what you start, finish what you're asked to do. Don't make your helping them a bigger burden for them. Now, what tends to get in people's way here with acts of service and the ways they sort of bumble this sometimes is that they do it begrudgingly. They don't do it with a good attitude. They do it as though the team or that person isn't going to succeed without their help, rather than really feeling like they want to pitch in to help that person get done what they need to get done. And some of the examples here might be helping with technology issues. So um, for me, one of the things that seemed to always happen and was just so frustrating was, that, you know, the printer, copier, scanner, whatever you had suddenly jams or it doesn't work and nobody knows why or it's not sending to the printer right. Uh, maybe your computer isn't working properly or your phone. So 
helping someone else with technology issues so they can keep doing the work that they need to do can be a true um, godsend and a real lifesaver for a lot of people. Doing a task that the person doesn't like to do, that's really, really helpful for lots of folks. Bring lunch in so that the team can complete a project. Or staying in the office late to be able to help. No one wants to feel alone when they're at work, right? That's part of that marginality piece. And so when the rest of the team knows that you're staying late to finish a project or meet a deadline and they offer to stay there and pitch in and help you do it, that can build some very strong bonds and it helps people truly feel like they matter. So a quick recap on the first three languages of appreciation in the workplace, words of affirmation that have to be personal and specific, time sensitive, quality time where people spend time together and they have their undivided attention, eye contact, no distractions, they don't interrupt, they're not on their phones, and acts of service where someone happily, <laughs> willingly, voluntarily helps someone else in the team with a project that they're working on. Let me interject right here and say, if you're listening live and you want to call in, the phone number is 646-716-9397. Again, 646-716-9397, and press 1 to get in the queue. So let's keep going. The fourth language of appreciation in the workplace is tangible gifts. And I have to be really honest, this is the one where people just really, really, really often miss the mark. It's it's easy for, um, I don't know, it was probably a stereotype, but corporate offices to say, we're going to send everyone on a golf trip or something like that. But if you don't really know your staff well, you're trying to do this one-size-fits-all model, and that may not appeal to everyone. I have to be really honest, when I've worked in human services, I've never come upon someone who was working in a human service field and had gifts as their number one language of appreciation. Occasionally it might have been three or four, but it's it's rarely near the top for those folks. They're trying to help. They don't they don't want a gift in return. For other people, gifts, especially money, is absolutely the way to appreciate them. I think about lots of salespeople. I think about people who are really competitive. It makes sense for them to want to earn money and a bonus for their performance, to be um, given a bonus based on extra sales they've made or, or some um, quality or quantity goal they've achieved. That totally makes sense. But I think it's easy for supervisors, HR people, a department head to think we're just going to buy everybody something. And, you know, buying everybody a mug doesn't land with everybody the same. And most people would say, man, I don't need another mug. <laughs> so if you're going to buy gifts, the the way for a gift person, somebody who has tangible gifts as their primary language of appreciation, they need that gift to be about them, to prove that you really know them and you're respecting and honoring who they are and what they enjoy. 
So as I said, you must really know a person well to give them a personal gift, unless, of course, it's money. <laughs> Everybody, I think, does um, is going to appreciate some sort of financial reward or bonus. It's possible somebody might say, well, how, how can I figure out what people like? Maybe I have a bigger staff. I don't know every single person um, in a more intimate or vulnerable way. How might I find out? And you could easily do a survey to get ideas. You could ask them about a lot of their favorite things. So what is their favorite food or candy? Uh, maybe a favorite magazine. What do they do when they're not at work? What are their hobbies? What are their favorite restaurants? What are their favorite maybe musical artists or type of music? Do they like to go to concerts? Do they like to go bowling or miniature golfing? Um, you know, there are lots of ways to find out what, folks would like if they were able to be given a gift. One of the things that is likely true is that people like experiential gifts. Most people feel like it, like for the mug example, they have enough mugs or, you know, they have enough keychains, <laughs> whatever those things are that lots of businesses give out, pens even. But then probably really like an experiential gift. So tickets to a sporting event, a restaurant gift card, a gift card to go shopping at their favorite store or mall, perhaps a spa day or some treatment at a spa, even some retreat. Maybe there's a night at a bed and breakfast or a long weekend in a different town with all expenses paid. Other examples are paid time off. So if somebody has really worked well, worked hard, got a project done, maybe they get the afternoon or a day or a few days off without losing uh, the money for that. Financial bonuses, gift cards, even flowers and balloons, uh, perhaps a trophy or a plaque, even a framed item. Uh, maybe their project was in the newspaper and there's a newspaper clipping that can get framed and given to them or a certificate, something like that. And then the fifth language of appreciation in the workplace, which they actually don't include in the survey for a number of obvious reasons that we'll discuss, is physical touch. And in the love languages, physical touch makes an awful lot of sense. You like to be have your hand held. You want to put your arm around someone. You want to hug someone. Obviously, when we're talking about languages of appreciation in the workplace, that gets quite a bit dicier. And so they didn't even include it in the inventory so that somebody couldn't be uh, sort of labeled a physical touch person. But in the workplace, where appropriate physical touch fits might be in a handshake or a high five. It might be in a pat on the back or a hand on someone's shoulder. And it may even be a hug. I think about working in a domestic violence program and shelter, and there were absolutely times when um, someone came into the shelter having been beaten and battered, and all they wanted was some nurture and they really wanted a hug. They wanted touch that didn't hurt. Um, and the opposite, when they were finished with our program and ready to move somewhere else or start a new job or um, reconnect with family that they had been severed from, lots of times those people wanted nurture too and, and a hug was a sign of celebration and congratulations. I could also imagine more physical touch, potentially with 
nursing or uh, in a medical situation where people too want to connect and, and need nurture around a sick family member or someone who has passed away or again a celebration somebody's been uh, maybe a child in the hospital for cancer uh, for some extended period of time and the nurses are high-fiving and hugging that kid and those parents as they get to leave the hospital um, and and you know we all hear those stories see those stories on the news hear those stories and um, they're so uplifting. And so there is a place for physical touch in the workplace. All about time, place, and manner, right? Is it happening um, at a time, in a place, and in a manner that is appropriate for the situation that it's happening in? Obviously, obviously, before anybody would <clears throat> presume to touch someone else, they have to be aware of those people's comfort level. Is that a person who really doesn't enjoy their personal space being invaded? Or do they love high fives? Um, I think about the gentleman on, I think it's American Idol. I can't think of his name, but you all know who he is. The, the bald gentleman um, apparently has, a real issue with germs and so he fist bumps everyone instead of shaking hands or high-fiving so you know there's ways to work in even that kind of physical touch in the workplace and certainly then the caveat with appropriate physical touch is being aware of your workplace policies on sexual harassment and um, you know not crossing that line in any way so those are the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts, and appropriate physical touch. And so you can take the assessment and you can find out and your whole staff can find out. And, you know, you can even just reflect on what are the things that are most powerful for you? What resonates for you? When was the last time someone at your work, in your organization, at your church, did any of these things, and how did it fit? You know, I really want to take a moment and, and a bit of a tangent here and say that it also matters that the person who's sharing this language of appreciation does so, obviously intentionally, we've talked about that, but with an appropriate agenda. Because here's the thing, I've had some supervisors in the past that I have not been well connected with and that I may not have had a lot of respect for. And so when they may have used any of these languages of appreciation or even given more critical feedback, it didn't sit with me in the same ways that a mentor, a friend, someone I trusted or respected or admired shared this information with me. And so while it can be sharing the languages of appreciation, appreciating your staff can be team building, can absolutely be team building. If you're not doing it, find ways to start doing it. You still need to tread lightly in terms of doing it in a way that that person can hear and can understand and can even take you seriously about. Um, because we all know when people are doing things for a show. We all know when people are doing things to get applause. We all know when people are doing things because they believe they should, not because they truly want to or believe it's the right thing to do. And so I would say if you're a supervisor who has 
some fracture in the staff, has some disgruntled employees, to still move forward with this, just really be intentional and share why, perhaps, quote, all of a sudden, unquote, we're doing these new things and explain. You want to build a team. You want there to be more efficiency in your group. You want people to trust one another and be able to lean on one another. Most importantly, you want everyone there to feel like they matter, and you're st taking steps towards helping everybody feel like they matter. So in practice, we do what we want. Fits with the golden rule, right? Treat others the way you'd want to be treated. So we tend to give the love language or the language of appreciation that we are as opposed to giving what that person wants or needs, which is the platinum rule, treat others the way they want to be treated. And so if you're struggling to figure out what your language of appreciation is, you might think about how you appreciate others. Is there a commonality in that? That may very well be your language because you have an understanding that if you feel loved that way, everybody else is going to feel loved that way. And that thought is inaccurate. But you can think about what is it, how is it that I like to be loved or appreciated or what do I often do for others and how might that connect who I am and what my language of appreciation is. So I, I gave the example earlier that a golf excursion might not fit for everyone. Um, going to a Zumba class may or may not fit for everyone. A public affirmation to someone in, say, a quarterly meeting may serve to embarrass them more than it affirms or appreciates them. Can you see that? That makes a lot of sense. Not everybody wants to be in the spotlight. Some people really love being behind the scenes. But just because they love being behind the scenes doesn't mean they don't want somebody to tell them they're doing a great job and how much value they bring to the team. Other people love that public affirmation and absolutely want to be uh, praised in, in a public way. And so you have to really get to know your folks and, and dig in there. I mentioned this before, but there is not a one-size-fits-all model, but there are some ideas that can overlap. So I mentioned earlier maybe framing a newspaper clipping or a certificate. That may count or land with a person who likes words and gifts. For me, I said I love cards. So that is words, and it's a gift. It's something I get to have and keep and refer back to on the days that aren't going so well. The idea about bringing lunch in, that may really fit as an act of service. We talked about that as an example under active service. That fits as an act of service because that person can keep working on their project. It may also land well, fit well, be heard by the folks who have gifts, tangible gifts, as uh, love language, and it may also really fit with the people who are quality time people. If you take the time to all sit around and eat the Chinese food you just got or eat the pizza that you had brought in. So doing lunch, celebrating a birthday, celebrating folks' anniversary, celebrating a win in your office, at your church, in your organization might very well fit for a lot of different people. I think some people are probably out there saying, man, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Or my job can't afford it. Or I'm an entrepreneur. Or we're a nonprofit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can hear you all saying, I just don't have the money. 
But, man, I would so encourage you to think about what you can do that doesn't have to cost anything, that you can work within your means. Those You Matter cards that I talked about are just a matter of getting something printed. Lots of people do that in-house. Sending an email is free. Sending a text message is free. Making a phone call is free. Stopping by somebody's office if you work in the same building is free. Taking a minute to send an email that it's somebody's birthday is free. Maybe you have a potluck for lunch instead and everybody brings something. And then you get to learn what people's favorite foods are along with spending quality time together doing something. There are lots and lots and lots of opportunities. This warm fuzzy wall, having um, some sort of in-house retreat, um, an off-site retreat, if you can, you know, find a place to do it for, for little money or no money. There are many, 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 many ways to appreciate one another that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Another note in terms of putting in, in practice is let's just say that for some reason you say we're not going to do the assessment or we can't afford it, um, it doesn't make sense for our group, or I want to know about my colleagues, I'm not the supervisor, it's a little different scenario. Just ask the person. Have this conversation that we're having right now. Share this radio show. Don't assume that you know what that other person's love language is or language of appreciation is, and don't assume that they have the same one that you have. As I said before, you can use it with volunteers, with paid staff, with interns, and I would even argue with your supervisor, with your employer. You know, that saying that it's lonely at the top, I felt that way a lot of times because there's information that I have that I might not have been prepared as an executive director to share with the board yet, and I can't have a conversation with the staff yet, and my partner doesn't know all the ins and outs, so even if I talk to them about it, it's, it's, it doesn't fit. There are times when you feel like you're really out on an island and it's we feel like it's the job of the supervisors to check in with the employees to look quote unquote down the hierarchy and and touch base with everybody and make sure everybody's doing well and and to manage and keep morale high but I would argue that it's really really important for staff and supervisors to also look up the hierarchy to ask their supervisors how they're doing, to appreciate their bosses, to let that person know they're really not alone, they're not in an island, even though they may not be able to share the information that they have all the time. So finding out even what your supervisor, your boss, your employer, the owner of the company's language of appreciation is and doing what you can to help them know that they matter where you work. I said earlier, be sincere. Don't do any of these things out of obligation because our instincts tell us when that happens. And you can actually do more harm than good, more damage than building, if you're doing it out of obligation rather than sincerity. I also can imagine that there are some people out there listening saying, I'm entirely too busy for this. I don't have the money and I'm entirely too busy. And, man, I hear that. I was working way too many hours a week as an executive director and, you know, I was on call in residence life and working at a domestic violence program and shelter. And so there's even a lot, a lot, a lot of night work and 2 a.m. phone calls and other things that happen. So I understand busy. But here is what I wonder. Are you busy now 
Or will you be busier when you have high turnover and dissatisfied employees or volunteers or interns? Does it make sense to spend the time now to keep the people that you already have recruited and hired and trained, the people that already know the job, the people that you're supervising, the people that are already part of the team, does it make sense to appreciate them and lift them up? Or does it make sense to not do those things and have to keep recruiting people, keep hiring people, keep training people, keep rebuilding the team? Now, that isn't to say that we have employees who are not working effectively and are not a good fit for for our work, for our team, and you, you will have processes and policies and you will handle them accordingly. But that doesn't mean that you don't appreciate the value that people bring to your team while they're there. A friend of mine and I were actually just texting last night. She asked what my next show was and was about. And um, she's a teacher. She'll be going back to school. She's in Pennsylvania. She'll be going back to school any day. And here in Georgia, most of the teachers and the kids have started already um, in the last week or so. And, you know, lots of people on Facebook are doing gifts for teachers. And that's awesome, and that's amazing, and I love that. So shout out to all the teachers and the school administrators everywhere. Um, you know, you're you're creating the future for all of us because you're helping young people grow and develop. And so I've seen a lot of people taking things in or posting pictures on Facebook about what they're giving to their teachers, and, and I love that. And at the end of the year, lots of teachers get things. But, man, think about the teachers. Think about the nurses. Think about the police and the fire fighters and the EMS folks. Think about your staff. Think about your pastor. Think about maybe somebody who is a mentor or a teacher for you who isn't officially a teacher. And how do you appreciate them year-round? How do you send something, a note along with your child for for their teacher or a small gift? Um, How do you get people to understand that they're appreciated when it isn't a time that everyone else is appreciating them, right? Um, maybe midterms, <laughs> halfway through a semester, halfway through a school year when it's not a holiday. Um, maybe all this standardized testing that's happening now, maybe that's a good time to tell the teachers how much you appreciate them. And what a neat way to show your kids that appreciation matters for all that for your neighbors for the person who dog sits for you, all those different things. You can look around and find people to appreciate every day, all the time. So I pose to you, what is your language of appreciation? What are the languages of appreciation of the people that you work with, that you volunteer with, that you interact with? What have you done lately to appreciate them? Is it possible for you to ask, for or share what your language of appreciation is so that you can be appreciated in the ways that you can actually hear? How do we refocus from the golden rule to the platinum rule and provide people with what they need rather than what we believe they need? And how then do we find the courage and the strength and articulate asking for people, asking people for what we need and, and how we can most feel appreciated? And so the call to action really here is get started. Do something. 
right? Somebody who's a gifts person isn't going to be offended because you wrote them a great note. Get started. Don't be afraid to fail. And then get the feedback. See, ask them what they thought about that thing. Um, check in with them. Do this $10 assessment. Do the assessment with your teams. Be in touch with me. See if there's a way that you can do a staff development workshop or a retreat around this topic. It's so easy. And our country, our world right now needs people valuing, appreciating, loving, supporting, being genuine with one another. We need that now more than ever. I really, really, really want to thank you for listening. I want to share my information again. You can find me, Nikki Tobias, at groundedvisioncoaching.com. You can email me at Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at groundedvisioncoaching.com. And most importantly, I would love, I would love to connect with you in a free, no-strings-attached discovery coaching session at calendly.com forward slash Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, dash R, dash Tobias, T-O-B-I-A-S, forward slash six zero min. Calendly.com forward slash Nicole, dash R, dash Tobias, forward slash zero min. I would love to connect with you. Also, shout out for my Ground Division Facebook page. We have a Life Coach Radio Network Facebook page. Love to have you join us there. You can hear everything that we do on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Life Coach Radio Network. You can hear us on iTunes. Please like and share shows that you hear, radio shows, uh, all of us as hosts. We love that. We love that. We love hearing from you. Thank you, thank you so much for listening. Like and share the show. Tell me how you appreciate other people. Tell me how you want to be appreciated. And until we meet again, be kind to yourself and each other. Bye-bye.